In America, we have a saying, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. This saying encompasses the attitude that one will get ahead in life through education and a good hard day's work. But what if this saying was a complete outright lie? Our fallen world may work this way, but the reality of the kingdom is very different. In order to walk the way, we need to have a completely different understanding of how we become successful in the kingdom. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Let us be attentive. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up straight and prayed these things about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of mankind, rapacious, unjust, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and tithe from everything whatsoever that I earn. But the tax collector, standing a good distance off, would not lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, God, grant mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter, rather than the former, went down to his house vindicated, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. That reading was from Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. Americans are hard workers. Our history and success proves it. We're innovative and often work far more than 40 hours a week. We believe this will get us ahead in life. We'll be able to afford the nice house, the good education for our children, the fancy vacations, and the beautiful car. In short, we'll be able to keep up with the Joneses. In fact, for many immigrants who have come to the U.S., this has been true. Those who came to America with nothing, worked hard, and have gone on to be leaders in their community, have become home and business owners, and have seen their children and grandchildren do very well. By all accounts, it seems it is possible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. For millions of Americans, the American dream is attainable. This American way of life was the attitude of the Pharisee. He worked hard at being religious. As our reading told us, he fasted twice a week and tithed from everything he earned. He would make the perfect parishioner in any of our Orthodox churches. A priest would be overjoyed to see every parishioner in his parish give a tithe, that is, 10% of their income to the parish. We'd have ministries coming out of our ears if that happened. But this Pharisee didn't only do what he was supposed to, He also avoided things he wasn't supposed to do. 
He didn't rob people, participate in unjust activities, sleep around, or cheat his fellow Judeans, as the tax collectors did. In short, this Pharisee was a pillar of his community, an upstanding citizen who probably received awards from his bishops commending him for his service to the church. In fact, if he were alive today, he would probably earn the Metropolis of Chicago's Bronze Cross Award. What's more, he not only followed the law, but his prayer follows the ancient liturgy that would have been expected for prayers such as this. He recognizes God as the source of his lot in life. He thanks God, and he doesn't ask for anything. In fact, this is the precise formula we find in Psalm 17, verse 3 through 5, which says, As for what others do, by the word of your lips I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. The Pharisees' words echo this psalm very closely. Yet Jesus says that the Pharisee did not go home justified. So let's look at the man who did. The tax collector, or publican in some translations, unlike the Pharisee, did not embrace our American way of life. Instead of working hard, he got ahead in society by taking advantage of others through his tax collecting. You see, first century Palestine was occupied territory. Though the Judeans were looking to re-establish an independent Israel, led by a Christ, that is, a new anointed king, they lived under the boot of the Romans, who employed other Judeans to collect taxes for them. Now, you may think, there's nothing wrong with this. We have tax collectors today. Though those who work for the IRS may not be the most liked people, we don't hate them. But, in the first century, tax collectors often collected more money than Rome was asking for, so that they could line their own pockets. Yes, they cheated their own people and, in the process, became rich. So, our tax collector was a traitor to his own people. He had betrayed them to the Romans. But when this tax collector came before God, he didn't depend on what he had done for justification. He didn't boast of his religious feats or tell God that even though he may not be the most liked person on the planet, he was still better than the murderer or adulterer. Instead, he had a change of heart, what we usually call repentance, and he depended on God's grace to make things right. If people were let into the kingdom based on what they had done, this tax collector would not be allowed in. By religious standards, he was worthless. No bronze cross award from the Metropolitan for him. But instead of an award, this tax collector received charis, which we usually translate as grace. But I think we will understand this word better if we update our translation. Charis means gift. This tax collector was declared justified or righteous, that is, guiltless before the judge, 
not based on a verdict of not guilty, but rather by a gift of God. Based on this man's change of heart, God decided to gift this man the kingdom. And this is how the kingdom works. One of my favorite Bible scholars, N.T. Wright, puts it this way in his commentary series. The wider context is the final law court, in which God's chosen people will be vindicated after their life of suffering, holiness, and service. Though enemies outside and inside may denounce and attack them, God will act and show that they are truly his people. But this doesn't mean that one can tell in the present who God's elect are, simply by outward badges of virtue, or in particular the observance of the minutiae of the Jewish law. If you want to see where this final vindication is anticipated in the present, look for where there is genuine penitence, genuine casting of oneself on the mercies of God. This one went home vindicated. Those are among the most comforting words in the whole gospel. That's what N.T. Wright has to say. If I wanted to put it another way, I think I'd put it this way. Our worth is not based on anything we did or will do. Our worth as human beings is not dependent on who we know, the status of our birth, or how much money we have. Our worth is based on God's love, which is a gift to each and every one of us. Even those that society says is worthless have invaluable worth in God's eyes. As I said last week, God responds to everyone who trusts in Him. Until next time, God bless.